in three and two and one. Hi, thanks for sitting down with me today. I appreciate it. I'm Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate, and we call this podcast, Have You Ever Thought About Writing It Backwards? One of the first pieces of advice any nascent author receives is to write about what he or she knows. Typically, the recipient of this advice looks at this counsel from left to right. However, in this podcast, I'm going to advise you to look at it from right to left. Yes, this is uncommon. However, when we're through, you'll see the wisdom of writing your appraisal reports backwards. Sound confusing? Really, it's not. Probably everyone has gone to the internet, specifically to YouTube. There they found a video on a totally silly topic, such as how the person in the video made a million dollars in 24 hours selling the whiskers he scraped off his face the previous morning. The point here is the maker of that video was not able to produce it, tape it, edit it, render it, put it up on YouTube, etc., until he had, indeed, scraped the whiskers off his face and then sold them for a million dollars. In other words, he made the video backwards. First, he did what he was going to tell you about, then he told you about it, then he made the video. Thus, the actions came before the video. What I propose here is that you first do all the analyses, etc., to arrive at a credible value opinion, and then you write the report. Most appraisers start the appraisal process by opening an appraisal report form in their computer. Then they fill out certain items that do not require analysis. This includes the client's name, the property address, the taxes last year, and so forth. There is nothing wrong with this process per se. However, how can the appraiser begin to write the report, not just merely filling in the blanks and spaces on the form, without already knowing what the subject's value is? How can the appraiser begin to write the report without already having done the analyses necessary to arrive at a credible value conclusion? How is it possible to summarize the appraiser's support and rationale for the highest and best use conclusion unless the appraiser has first gone through the necessary analyses? How can the guy in the video share with you his secret of making a million dollars in 24 hours by selling day-old whiskers without having first shaved? This, of course, assumes he's telling the truth. If it's on the internet, it has to be true, right? As much as most appraisers do not like the USPAP document, it does provide an excellent model for the preparation of an appraisal and an appraisal report. This model is straightforward. Standard 1 aids the appraiser in developing a credible value conclusion. Standard 2 aids the appraiser in communicating that value opinion to the client and the other intended users. In other words, Standard 1 comes before Standard 2. Therefore, this is the model we should follow in concluding a value and then reporting it to the client. Given how straightforward this model is, it's a puzzle as to why more appraisers don't follow it. This podcast is not the time or the place to go through a detailed model of the appraisal process. That model is available elsewhere. However, this is a good place to summarize those steps, so let's do it. First, the appraiser amasses all of the necessary costs, sales, rental, listing, depreciation data, etc. necessary to form a credible value opinion. However, this is merely step one, so there is no reason to form the value opinion yet. Next, the appraiser analyzes the data to find out which are irrelevant, which ones will aid in forming a credible value opinion, and which ones are just noise. Then the appraiser discards the irrelevant data, usually by archiving it in the work file. 
This eliminates it from further consideration, but allows it to be used in later appraisal reports if it becomes relevant. After eliminating the irrelevant data, the appraiser is then free to analyze the relevant data. It's from these relevant data and this necessary information, the appraiser will form a credible value conclusion. Part of this process is to determine how much weight the individual approaches merit in the final value conclusion. This includes an analysis of each of the data quanta. This is necessary in order to determine how much weight to give any given approach. In other words, it's possible to have great cost data, yet end up giving the cost approach relatively little weight. Why? If this approach is one to which the market gives relatively little weight, then so should the appraiser. Therefore, by this time, the appraiser will have visited the neighborhood and subject property. She will also have determined the neighborhood's boundaries. She'll have confirmed the sales data with a party to the transaction, etc. Finally, she'll have formed a credible value conclusion. What this means is that all of the heavy appraisal lifting is done first. All that remains now is to analyze and interpret the data and then write the report. Now, after all of these efforts, writing the report is going to flow a lot easier. Because the appraiser has already answered the questions necessary to form a value conclusion, writing the report should be straightforward. Unfortunately, in a podcast such as this one, there is not time to go into a great deal of detail relative to the appraisal and reporting processes. I am, however, available for private consultation in these matters. The point here is that by doing the research and analyses first, the second step in the appraisal process, writing the report, comes easier. That task, then, becomes one of merely telling the reader what you already know. There is a real benefit to you in changing the way you write your appraisal reports. Consider these. By doing the research and analysis first, you free yourself from toggling back and forth between doing the research and writing the report. By doing the research and analyses first, when you write the report, you are indeed writing what you already know. This will save you from a lot of false starts and stops during the tenure of the appraisal report writing process. By following this model, and because you are writing what you already know, it will likely take you less time to write the actual report. What appraiser does not want to save time, right? It's possible that writing the report backwards will result in an appraisal report that reads more logically and sequentially than reports written in the traditional manner. What client is going to complain about a professionally written, easy-to-understand, on-time appraisal report? I've worked with numerous appraisers who have been summoned before their state appraisal boards. Those boards tend to look very closely at those appraisal reports that are not easy to understand or that do not follow logically and sequentially to a credible final value opinion. Therefore, by following the report writing process this podcast advocates, you can help shield yourself from the clutches of your state appraisal board. That sounds surprisingly good, don't you think? Every day, we appraisers must compete with evaluations, BPOs, AVMs, our own fellows, and so forth. Therefore, anything we can do to set ourselves apart from these, anything we can do to benefit our clients with better service than these alternatives provide, accrues to our benefit. How is that not a plus for our side?
True, the term write the appraisal report backwards may sound clumsy and counterintuitive at first, but as this podcast shows, it has some definite advantages for you and your appraisal business. It is in our best interest as appraisal and business professionals to take advantage of every legitimate shortcut available to us. What this podcast advocates is one easily available to all of us at no cost and relatively little requirement to change what we already do. Therefore, as you begin your next appraisal assignment, consider writing it backwards. You just may find you'll be glad you did. I want to thank you for taking the time to sit down with me today and listen to this podcast. I appreciate it. I'm Tim Anderson, the Appraiser's Advocate. My website is theappraisersadvocate.com. My email address is tim at theappraisersadvocate.com. And my YouTube channel is The Appraiser's Advocate. Kind of all follows, doesn't it? I appreciate you sitting down with me today. I extend my personal best to you and my personal best to your family. Please be safe and well. Oh, and by the way, are your professional fees high enough? And we're clear.